see each of you gentlemen. Welcome to our first NSB podcast. We are a work in progress trying to make this uh, some exciting, engaging content. So I have with me today Joel Kobosh, all the way from New Smyrna Beach, Florida. <laughs> He's our next generation leader and Paul Sanders, our associate pastor. So it's good to be with you gentlemen today. Um, anything exciting going on in your lives? Not too much. <laughs> Not too much? Just this, just this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so we have been, we've been in a series through Malachi. And so yesterday was our fourth installment. So Joel kicked it off and he did the first two sermons. And uh, then I've had the last two. And the series title is Refine Our Hearts. And Joel, I think that that title kind of is a, I mean, it's kind of a prayer. It's a request of God to to refine us as his people because, I mean, one of the things we encounter in the prophet Malachi is that the, the people aren't living the way they ought to live. And so they need to have some refinement. And I think if we're really brutally honest, we'll, we'll admit that there, there's some areas that we need some refinement as well. Is that is that right? And it comes actually out of the, it, the idea came from the passage that we looked at on Sunday and are going to talk about today, just that refining. And then, and then the hard aspect is just, I think the entire book of Malachi is a re revealing the heart of the people of Israel. And I think God's heart for his people. What do you mean by a heart? I, yeah, well, the, our, our soul, our emotions, our, the, our desires. So our worldview or yeah, our values. Yeah, and I think just that the idea that, that that scripture speaks about out of the heart, out of out of what uh, out of what comes out is comes from the heart, and so the way the way we think, the way we think that we do things that we say, they're all a reflection of what's ultimately inside of us. Yeah, and you know, you think of scripture like uh, Deuteronomy uh, six five that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, uh, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. Um, I think that from a, a biblical perspective, the heart is, is what is it, like the seat of our emotion. It's the, so we're not talking about the, the physical um, part of our anatomy that's pumping blood through our body here, right? We're talking about something more comprehensive. We're talking about really our inner selves, right? The basic you, the basic us, the basic me. Yeah. yeah so, um so, so Malachi is is really the structure of Malachi is there's six disputations. So the the Lord is addressing his people, the 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 people of Israel, the people of Judah, and there's there's areas where they're not living the way they ought to live, right? And so, um, Joel, you talked, you shared with us that first disputation and kind of what, what was that one? What was that first disputation that, that Malachi was addressing? Um, and, and what was kind of the, the, what was the bottom line point of that? Yeah, well, the first one, they, they're, they're questioning God's love for them. And, and God said, and God proves that to them and shows them, I, I love you. And that's actually how he starts out. We have this introductory verse, and then the first thing God says is, I have loved you. And then, then the people question that, say, how have you loved us? And so that's, that's the first one. Okay. Well, that's what a disputation means, right? A disputation means that 
uh, there's two parties and they disagree what's going on. Basically what's going on in, in the world right now. Yeah. God said, this is the way, this is what I do. I love you. And they say, I, I don't, we don't see you loving us. Right. And sometimes we have a, 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 a dispute with uh, our spouse, correct? <laughs> right. I mean, it, that's the way you work things out. You you so like talk you, about things you disagree about. Right. There's an issue like, you know, I, 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 I'm offended by the words that you have spoken to me. And you might say, well, what words are you referring to? How have I offended you with my words? And then you explain it. So I think there's that, that dynamic of, you know, like we, we saw in the text yesterday, you've wearied the Lord with your words. Well, how have we wearied the Lord with our words? Well, here's how. And it's explained how they have offended or how they've, they've, they've done wrong. So the second disputation, uh, Joel, what was the second one that Malachi addressed the, the people on? And specifically, um, he was addressing the, the priests. Right. And, and it, he was addressing the priests specifically because they were the, the leaders of worship. And so the idea is that their worship was inappropriate, really. And, and that was a reflection of the fact that they weren't taking it seriously. And so, so yes, it was, an, it was a, a rebuke of the priest for allowing in, inappropriate worship to happen, which was saying to the people that inappropriate worship is okay. It was not just inappropriate. They, they didn't want to do it. It was begrudging, or, right? They, they just, they were going through the motions. Yeah, it was worthless. <laughs> yeah, and by and they, when they talk, we point out it was worthless because they kept bringing animals that weren't any good, giving second best, worse, they're giving the worst of what they had to God, not their best. Okay, and then the third disputation we we looked at this past week, where the people are departing from from God's design for for marriage, and so on the one hand. They're marrying people that have different religious commitments, right? They have a different spiritual father. Um, in fact, the charge is that they're marrying the daughter of a foreign god and then also illegitimate divorce. And so why, why is that such a problem um, when we think about, you know, marrying someone that has a different spiritual father other than the one true God or divorcing the wife of one's youth? Why, why is that such a, a, an offense to God? Well, I think mar marriage is a picture. I mean, a marriage is a covenant relationship and this passage has been talking about that idea of covenant. And, and so God has coveted him, himself to his people. And if they, you know, if we just feel like that's something that can be easily broken, then it's a, it's a reflection. Our, our marriages and our covenant marriage is a, a reflection of our, our own relationship with our God, I think is part of it. Yeah, the covenant is not just between us and our spouse, it's between uh, our spouse and us and God. It's a, it's a, I think Pastor Luke, you said vertical, not just horizontal, it's a way to think about it. But so, so it, most of us don't think about the fact that when when we're thinking about breaking our covenant with our wives, that those vows we did, that's the covenant, right? The vows we did with our wife. 
we don't we don't realize that those vows are also made to God. They were made before God and to God. We don't think about that when we we're saying it. We're making we're saying it to God, and God made it very clear. It was made it very clear that that's what happens. I how how do we explain that? How do we explain that two people get together, maybe arrange marriage, maybe they they fall in love. How is how is God coming to it? Where, where does God come to it? Does God really care about how we get married? Well, Jesus in Matthew 19 says, "What God has joined together, let no one separate. Let let no man separate." So, God is joining two people together, right? Genesis 2:24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So, this is a union established by God. And so for that reason, we can't just discard it and, and treat it as if it's just a human contract or, or just a human agreement. It, is, it is, a, is a binding covenant that is before God and, and God is a, is, a, is a part of. Yeah, so, it, separa it separates us from animals, right? And whereas animals have sex to have offspring. That's why they have sex. That's why it's a sex drive. So, so, and we have animal nature. But we we don't realize that it's, it's, it's more than that. It's, it's much higher than that, isn't it? Than just a basic sex drive. So fourth disputation. This is the one we um, we looked at yesterday. So it starts in the 17th verse, the last verse of chapter two, and the charge or the disputation with God's people is that they've wearied the Lord with their words, and then they ask, well. You know, or or the the prophet says, but you say, how have we wearied him? And then the prophet says, by saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? So what's going on here? What's what's the charge against these people? How is it that they have wearied God with their words? What are they specifically? Um, saying about God, about his character, about about his being? What are, they, what are they saying about God? I think they're they're basically saying he doesn't care or he's 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 almost in approval of the injustice because he's not doing anything about it. Yeah. So, I mean, think about this. So, like, if if a if a parent has a child and the child is wreaking havoc Right. And doing all kinds of stuff. And you never see the parent address it. You never see the parent intervene. What you know, you might think that the parent is somehow approving, maybe. I mean, I know it's a it's not the best analogy, but I mean, maybe that's kind of the mentality of these people is they're looking at it from the standpoint of, well, if, if God really was concerned about this or if God really had a problem with this, well, then God would just step in in that moment and deal with it. Is that is that kind of a, I mean, I know it's a. Not the best analogy, but do you think that might kind of, in a, in a very limited way, capture the idea of what maybe these people are thinking? Yeah, they, they're looking very short term uh, in terms of, of God taking care of evil. They've already had examples of how even with to, you know, in their, in their, in their history, the recent history, Babylon came and, and wiped them out. But then Babylon got wiped out by uh, Persia, right? By uh, and, and 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 so if they if they, if they thought over the long term, evil does evil do get judged. Yeah. 
Evil get judged because the Bible, because their prophets told them they were going to get judged. You, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't just like it was a, oh, this is the way things are. There was so often empires fall, empires come. No, 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 no. God said, this is what's going to happen to people who, 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 who treat you badly. And they're not, they don't have the faith to believe that it'll happen again in their, to, again. They don't. They don't, they haven't seen it for a while. And so they said, no, it's not happening. So he must, he must, it must be okay for him. He's, he's okay with the evil that goes on. And there's no justice. So God is not, just to be clear, God is not like a parent who just stands by and just lets his child do whatever and, and the child never answers for it. That's not the picture of God we get in the Bible, correct, Joel? No. So so that's not so so the the charge that they're making against God is a false charge. So these are false words that they're speaking about God. To say that that God approves of evil, to say that everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, to say that God delights in evildoers, that is falsehood. That is not true, right? So it's like saying that, you know, a parent approves of their child being reckless and just, you know, being wild and crazy, right? I mean, it's not true. It's not a true statement about God. And so how, how does the Lord respond through the prophet to this charge, these false words? What's his answer? His answer is I'm coming. Okay. So in other words, I'm I'm gonna I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to address it. Yeah, you, you, what he's saying is if you're gonna be a covenant in covenant relationship with me, then you're gonna have to trust me over time, over eternity, that justice will happen. That's the difference between people who are righteous and not righteous. A righteous person says God is righteous, God is good. He'll take care of people who, he'll, he'll bring vengeance. We don't have to take vengeance, right? We don't have to take revenge. God's going to take care of all. And more than that, what I've been going through in my head, I don't know about you, but I've been struggling with this. Uh, you know, I don't know why I keep struggling, but I do struggle with my family and so forth. All things work together for good. So when evil happens, God promises that his love we're not going to be separated from his love and he promises that it'll work out it'll work out he's going to make it work for good but it really doesn't feel that way when things happen to you whether it's the shooting in walmart or you know, people that you know 29 people dying or it's the uh, health issues that you have or death in the family I think there's a little bit of self-righteousness going on here too. And with these people is that they don't understand. We, I think we, as, as humans, we always, I've heard it said, we always want, we want grace for us and, and law for everybody else or justice for everybody else. And what these people I don't think realize is that they're the ones that deserve judgment. They need, they deserve judgment just like all the other nations around them because they haven't been faithful to their, their God. And so God's not doing things they want the way that he, they think they should be done. And so they're, they're blaming God for their problems and all this stuff. And God's saying, no, you're the problem, I think, a little bit. And I'm being gracious to you here. And I'm going to purify you one day. And 
I am going to, you know, bring your hearts back to me. I'm going to weed out, but, and, and their justice will come, but. So as we go along here, the, it's obvious that the majority of Israel has turned away from God because this is addressed to Israel, not just to Judah, no, not just to the small band of people there, but it's addressed to Israel as a whole, right? The Israel of, uh, that, uh, uh, Abraham, uh, Isaac, and, um, Jacob, the one that had the promises and the, and the, and the uh, covenant relationship that God had with them. And, and what what hope do we get from this passage if if, if, if we're righteous? And what hope of us of Malachi and people like him that are in living right then? What hope do they have? There's the hope that I mean, if I if I go back to the to the analogy or the illustration, I mean, if if our image of God is God is that parent who never corrects never disciplines, never, never intervenes in his child's life, the, the child who is living rebelliously, waywardly, doing evil. If that's our image of God, that that, that, that is the picture of God that we have, then that's, there's no hope in that. I mean, it's basically everybody do their own thing and, and look out for yourself and, and your own and you know, because there's no, there's not going to be an answer from, from the divine. There's not going to be an answer from, from the God who made us. But if instead our picture is, listen, our, our heavenly father, he knows everything that's happening. He knows everything that's going on in this world. And, and he is going to act. He is going to bring judgment. I mean, there's hope in that because I mean, we, we can despair when we see the horrible things that happen in our world and, and maybe even bad things that we might experience in our own lives. But but knowing that our God is in control, knowing that there is nothing that anyone can do to pluck us from our father's grasp, there's nothing that anyone can do to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, our Lord, knowing the future, that we, the hope that we have through Jesus Christ, I mean, there is there is hope that we have that God does know what's going on. God is going to answer. God is going to respond. And, and God is going to set things right. And so even though things may not look great around us, and even though we may experience hard times, um, we can take heart and we can find encouragement in knowing that, you know, we, we are secure in in our Heavenly Father. And... Our citizenship is in heaven, and right. nothing can change that. So, I mean, I think that gives us hope. I think it would certainly be a cause for hope for 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 God's post-exilic people, and, and it ought to give us hope today. So, Joel, what does it mean that when it says the messenger of the covenant is coming, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is a refiner's fire. This is a refiner verse, right? Refining fire, like fuller soap, you'll sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. What does that mean in terms of what Pastor Luke just said? Yeah, well, I think it, it means that 
that Jesus is coming and has come, but is coming again in judgment. And and he is going, like like Pastor Luke was saying, he's going to set things right. Things will be set right. And he will, he's going to weed out, he's going to purify those that call upon him and look for him for salvation. And and put to rest those who have rejected him. Right. And we can't stand before him. It says, who can stand before him? We can't stand before him unless we have his righteousness, which comes when he refines us. When we trust in him, he refines us, right? And we stand as righteous before God because we're of the blood of Jesus Christ. Right. And that's where our hope is, right? That's the hope in that ver those verses? Yeah, the, the hope is that... <laughs> God is coming and he's going to make a way that we can be, he's going to purify us. He's going to admit, he's going to clothe us in his righteousness so that we can stand judgment day. Yeah. Uh, and, and if, and you know, if, you know, the question, where is the God of justice? I mean, only God is the one, only God can bring true justice. And, and like, you know, with these mass shootings, I mean, inevitably it, 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 reignites debates on gun control laws and you know how, how what can we do to prevent these things from happening in the future which i think are fine discussions i think it's it's appropriate for our society to to have those debates and to have those discussions about okay this is horrible we all should agree it's a horrible tr these are horrible tragedies um and 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 what can we do to to prevent these kinds of things in the future but but if 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 our hope is is ultimately in human justice, we're going to be disappointed. Um, I and in human intervention. Yeah, and, and insofar as we're able to hold people to account, insofar as we're able to protect, I mean, great, let's do that. I mean, let's do what we can to protect. Let's do what we can to um, to bring the perpetrators of evil to justice. Absolutely. Let's do those things. But our ultimate hope is in the God of justice, the God who knows, the God who is aware, the God who who is going to set things right. And so, yes, we can do a lot of things as a as a as a, as a civil society, uh, but but our ultimate hope is in the Lord. Yeah. I think, and that's where we keep our focus. Yeah, it's a, it's a, these, it, the evil and injustice that happens in our world is a reminder to us of the fact that we live, this is a fallen world. This isn't our ultimate uh, resting place. And I think it's, it's that, that, that motivates us to, to realize that life isn't about the pleasures of this world and enjoying, uh, you know, all this world has to offer. It's it's about God and the gifts that he's given, enjoying God and the gifts that he's given us. And I think even with Israel a little bit, they're, they're, they wanted, they wanted a great king or, you know, a great um, kingdom yeah. with their king. And that was maybe their focus a little bit. And God is saying, that's not, that's not the end goal. I'm the end goal. 
and justice or the injustice and evil that happens in our world is a reminder that that's not the end goal. We can't, we'll never be satisfied here. We weren't created to be satisfied here. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, what is it? Was it, I don't know, was it Augustine or somebody who talked about our, our heart is restless till it finds its rest in thee? Yeah. Right? There's like, only God can ultimately satisfy our deepest longings. And I don't know if it was Augustine, but, but somebody said it. So Somebody from a while back said it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, I appreciate your time. Um, you know, God is, is aware. And, and God knows what, what's going on, and God is not distant. Um, the God of the Bible is not a, a, a deistic God. You know, he didn't just create this world and say, okay, have at it, and I don't have anything to do with it, I don't care. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is present, he's aware, he's active in his world, he's, um, he's providential, and he cares for us. And um, Jesus is coming again, so uh, we can take hope in that. So thank you both for your time today, and thank you all for joining us for our first NSB podcast.